Hi there, welcome to Let's Talk Tottenham. Very nice to not have a weekend ruined by Spurs. Comfortable winners today over a very tame wolf side. Didn't really offer too much up top. I'm joined today by Sam Spurs for Life. You'll know him from the Paxton Road TV YouTube channel. We're talking about the game, Delhi, whether he's back to his best. Bale, again, good performance, should he be re-signed. Connor Cody, who's superb for Wolves, should he be one of our defensive targets. You also heard every week my thoughts on the season, so Sam's given his thoughts on the season. We were top in November, what happened? Would it have been different the way we played if fans were in the stadium? Obviously, we've got the manager situation, players that we need to sign, and where will Kane go? So we're talking all that and more on Let's Talk Tottenham, Tame the Wolves. Hi Sam, thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Very well. Good yeah. to have a, a, a victory to talk about rather <laughs> than the depression that we've had over the last few weeks, the ups and downs. Leeds last week was just almost like the, the, the bottom of the barrel, shall we say, in terms of performance. Yeah, I mean, yeah today was better. There was some good signs today. Yeah, I mean, are, are you completely stumped? Like, I, I, I don't know what a weekend without football ruining it is like. I haven't really experienced that for quite a while. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That Leeds game was just, like you say, I think, well, we won't talk about that. because that's the We don't want, we'll, let's move on from that. Let's, <laughs> let's talk positives <laughs> about today. Talk positives about yeah. today. I, I thought early on, certainly that first half, our pressing and closing down was fully inevitable. I've been quite critical of Lo Celso, I think more because I don't see what kind of midfielder he is and where he fits in. But I thought he was the catalyst for a lot of the closing down, tackling and um, pressing. So what are your thoughts of, of the pressing, whether we'll see that continue and Lo Celso? I, I thought it was it was generally better. Um what I think with Spurs, a lot of the time, and I've heard this before with discussion, when we play teams that are more aggressive in terms of the press, and that what we had with Leeds last week, we seem to go into our shell a little bit. When we're the aggressors, like we were today against Wolves, who, to be fair, they had the flip-flops on. They probably will, you know, I mean, there's no danger of them, anything. Relegation's been sorted out. They're mid-table-ish or slightly below. They didn't really have much to play for, apart from their own pride, obviously being away from home as well. So we, we didn't have that pressure to play under if that makes sense so we were able to dictate the play a little bit more and the players that we did have in that midfield Hoybier, Lo Celso, even to a degree Deli Alli certainly had more control in the game I think when we lose control of games where teams get at us and they get to us quickly and they put pressure on us as I said I think we we, we tend to to fail we need to get better at that um, Lo Celso, as you mentioned before had more control in the game for me today I think he still lacks a bit of match sharp mismatch fitness in terms of that player that we know we can have. Mm. But what he did do was 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 good enough to suggest to me that, yeah, hopefully the last couple of games we should see a, a, a more complete player if he continues to play him. Yeah. What do you think of Delhi? He still frustrates me so much. There are some passes that I'd back myself to pass that 10 metres and it, it's kind of just really lazy, just oh, it's an easy pass, I'll just lay it off and it goes nowhere. But then other things, like that, there was a nutmeg for the cross that we should have got a corner from in the first half, which that's what you want to see from Delhi. That's a confident Delhi. Do, do you think, like, Mourinho completely shot that confidence out of him with, with his approach? <laughs> or do you think Mason's slowly getting that back now? 
I, I think with Deli Ali, and, and this might go against what some people tend to think, I don't think he's been at his best form even before Mourinho. So I think under the, the last maybe year or so of Poch, I don't think he was at his best. I think the best Deli Ali is when we saw him back, probably back to 2017, sort of 18 sort of season when he was, you know, that player that was bombing on, getting them 15 goals a season, whatever it was. That's the Deli Ali that a lot of people are measuring against. I think he has to change his game because I don't think he fits into that system, which... Jose Mourinho wants to play. So under Poch, he was more like the 4-4-1-1, where he was that second striker, so he was able to bomb in. We then didn't really play with a real number 10. We were trying to play Ericsson from the right. Now that we've got a more of a set a set um, formation, in terms of that 4-2-3-1, it's difficult to see where Dele Alli would fit into that, because I don't think he's that number 10. I don't think he's that player, as you mentioned, that's going to pick the ball up, half turn and play that Freddie ball. Because some of the passes, he don't make, he don't do it. But what he is good at doing is he's a playground footballer. So you you don't know what he's going to pull off. So when he does that thing on the edge of the box, nuts it through the player's leg, and then that's the sort of Deli Alley that's unpredictable, that gets people up and say, yeah, he can play. But if you was to give him a role as that number 10, I don't think he fulfills that. But does he bring... Does he bring something different? Yes, he does. Can he bring something different all the time? In a in a four two three one, I'm not so sure. If he's given a free role, yeah, he's a player that yeah, you could probably get more of. But I just don't think we're going to get any better out of him now, personally. I, I think he's really struggled. You mentioned Ericsson there. I think since Ericsson left, and we haven't replaced him and, and haven't got a, a legitimate playmaker in there. I think he's really struggled. I think yeah, certainly in the potch that. that I always go back to the 16-17 season because that's the, the best I've seen us play mm-hmm. in my lifetime, I'd say. Um, but yeah, Ericsson would, would cut, he was kind of the number 10 or he had a free roll, would go and get it from yeah. out of field and all. It leaves a massive yeah. chasm of space where I think yeah. Delhi is so much better off the ball than on the ball. Whether he's worked on that in the last year or whatever. But I think he needs that space to run into. And I think without a playmaker... I think he struggles with that. I don't think his passing is good enough, certainly to be a playmaker. And No, Delhi's not the person that you put into the team to, to, to create, to build up play, to slow things down, to increase the tempo. He's a sort of player that likes to break beyond. He likes to go beyond the final strike, to get into the box late, to arrive in there late, to, to, to score goals. He does have the skill capacity to beat the man and then do something. But if you're relying on Delhi to, to create, to, to, to dictate the tempo sort of like a, a player, maybe sort of like Coutinho when he was at his pump for Liverpool. You know, that sort of player that received the ball anywhere on the pitch, quickens it up, gets a shot off on goal, plays a threaded ball through, does all that sort of stuff which you play through him to do that. Deli Ali for me, isn't that player. I would like to see Tongue on Dembele have that role because I think he's better creatively than Deli Ali. I think he's got so much more of a skill set, but whether or not his attitude is quite right to... to to team to be in that position for a Mason team, I'm not quite so sure. I think the next manager appointment is going to be critical for us to see if that sort of player is the player that we're going to rely on. Because I would love to see us build a team around Tanga, if I'm honest with you, because of his skill set, because I know what he can bring to us. And then we could have the pieces to fill in behind him with Hoybier, with Skips if he returns, with Lacelsos. Then we've got options then. Yeah. Without the, the creativity, we're not going to go much further than we are at this present time. Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned two things there, which I've got written on my notes. It's like you wrote the notes as well. <laughs> uh, so, Onan Dombele, what do you think's happened to him? Because he, he was a mainstay in the Mourinho team and he's getting 10 minutes here or there under Mason. I mean, 
what do you think's happened to him? Or do you think, like you say, Mason's got a way of how he wants to play and, and Dombele just isn't someone who fits into that? So some of the things that came out of the interview earlier this week with, with Mason kind of brought certain things to light for me. He mentioned Harry Kane being his best mate. Now, I think we all know that Harry Kane's probably his best mate, similar type of age, 29, 28 sort of age, which Ryan Mason is. It wouldn't matter he's if, he's, if he's his best mate or not. He's our best player, so he's playing. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I will be playing Harry Kane whether he's my worst enemy. Because oh, the end of the day, he's, he's, he's our best player, not a doubt. But what I say by that is, I think there's other players in that team that are kind of close to Ryan Mason. Eric Dyer being one of them. Uh, Deli Alley probably being another. Harry Winks probably being another. All these players who we probably looked at and thought, they're not really that good at this moment in time. Maybe Mason's allowed them to play more because he's got a relationship with them. So maybe he's able to get a little bit more out of them. Going forward, um, I, I think that that would be where he would struggle to get the job permanently because I don't think you can have best mates. I think you can have players that you like. I think you can have good relationships, but you can't be a best mate of a player because that's only going to cause problems if the best mate ain't playing the way he should. Luckily for him, Harry Kane is our best player, so he's always going to be a player you're going to put in your team regardless. <laughs> but someone like Eric Dyer, who had a mare last week, let's be honest with you, against Leeds, he had an absolute nightmare. And I didn't expect to see him anywhere close to the starting eleven this week, but he was. Positives and negatives, that is. Positives, he's played the same team, got mm. a victory. The negatives, if you keep relying on that against the better teams, we're going to come unstuck. Yeah, well, I mean, talk, talking of uh, the Leeds game, I, I felt really sorry for Aurier, and this is where everyone turned off. But I, I thought, certainly that second goal, he's got no chance there. He's got Bale up in front of him who's not tracking back. And obviously Leeds have done their homework. He is a weak link, Aurier, and, and Doherty if he plays there as well. But they were two on one against him all game. Yeah. And that was evidence in that second goal. But he, he's got no chance for that goal because Bale isn't coming back and helping. So it just gives encouragement to that left side leads. And, and, and against better teams, like you say, you know, target Aurier or, or, or Doherty. So in, in terms notice, of Bale there, I, I've gone on a tangent there. <laughs> if you know, but if you notice today, what you did see, you did see Bale tracking back a little bit more than he did against Leeds. Um, and because of that, it looked like Tanganga was more protected, but we didn't look in danger because, again, Wolves play a different way than what Leeds did. I kept saying Leeds is the easiest team you could have prepared for because you know what they're going to do. But the when they do it, they do it so well that if you're not prepared for it, you can't combat it. Wolves today weren't really pressing us high. They weren't really pressing us until we got into our final third. Even in midfield, there was a lot of gaps in there, which I think they could have maybe flooded it a little bit more and put more pressure on Hoybier and Lo Celso. So they kind of played into our hands. And if teams play into our hands, we've got the quality to do a lot with it, as you've seen. But Bale is really that enigma. Is he, is he going to be consistently coming back to help out his right back? I don't think he wants to do that job. I think today was almost like proving the point that he can do it, but does he want to do it? No, I don't think he does. Um, but Tanganga looked more solid than what Aurea does. So again, you can have the argument, was he was he better because Bell was better or was he just better because he's a better defender than Aurea? Probably a bit of both. Yeah. Well, I think with Bale, if, if you can get him for another season, which I, I think if the offer's on the table to do that, I would. But I think against the weaker team, certainly at home, 
Mm. He's not really going to have to do that much defending. If we can get a playmaker in to dictate tempo, then mm-hmm. we'll have the majority of the ball, so the onus won't be on him so much to defend because we've got the ball and you're looking forward. But against the stronger team, certainly away from home, as evidence for Leeds and, and the fact that he didn't play in the cup final, I don't think you can rely on him to do that. So you need... No. Bergvine, I think, is our best wide player by a mile in terms of tracking back and helping the, the full-back out. I think that was shown earlier in the season when we went top, where mm-hmm. I think we had City, Arsenal and someone else, didn't we? That We had some good results and that he was yeah. a machine going up and down. Yeah. Yeah. But would you re-sign Bale if the offer was there on a loan thing and the finances were right? Yes. I think if everything was right, I think I would. There's a couple of reasons. We should have fans in the stadium next season. I think he's a player that's missed out on not having fans in there because I think he's a, a big game player who relies, not relies on it, but certainly does better if he's got that in him. He wouldn't have gone to Real Madrid to play in front of them fans if he wasn't a big game player. So that's one thing. So if having fans in there, I think we've all wanted this dream of Bell coming back. So let's at least have a, a few months to see what it's like with the, the, the fans behind him to see if he can do what he's done. We've seen enough in certain games to know that he can do it when he wants to. He's 31. He'll be 32 next year, I think it is. Yeah. So again, not a player that's over the hill by any stretch. And we've seen when he wants to, he can produce moments of manage. You're just going to have to limit him. You're not going to rely on him every week. Like you said, you can't rely on him home and away. You can't possibly rely on him against the teams like Man City, where there's going to be pressure on him, where he's going to have less of the ball. So you pick and choose. But if you were giving me the choice now, would I have him? Yes, I would. Yeah, I I agree with that. And you mentioned Dyer there, which I'm with you. I think one of the things that frustrated me no end with Mourinho is that back four changed every week and you cannot get communication and, and, you know, with that. So I I like the fact that generally the the back two and the goalkeeper are always the same under Mason. Mm -hmm. But I do think we need a new defence, and, and we'll come on to that a bit later. But Cody today was superb. In terms of as being a leader, I know he's conceded two goals and he's he's dived in against Kane for the first goal. But generally, I thought he was superb. Would he be one that you'd think we should try and get him in the summer? Or do you think there's better options out there? In the same way that we got Doherty, which is probably not the best player looking back now, Cody, though, would replace Eric Dyer leaps and bounds, in my opinion, in terms of that sort of player. Now, is he the most cultured, gifted, playing out from the back player in the world? No, he's not. But at this moment in time, what Spurs need is a very good defender, someone who defends better than what Eric Dyer has been doing for this season. We can go on a number of games where I, I could point to a number of games where I feel like Dyer's been at fault for goals. Dyer's been at fault for us conceding at this moment in time. And that can't be good. Your centre-back partnership has to be, more often than not, solid. And when he plays, I don't believe it's solid. Even today, there was opportunities for um, the Wolves team to get in behind us. There was a couple of opportunities where they spun him and they were in. Better teams would have taken advantage of that. Yeah. So, Dyer, long-term... No, Dyer for the short term up until the end of the season, I think we can probably go with that. But yeah, Cody, I'll take him over Dyer any day. Yeah, I, th- I think so. But I quite like Dyer though. But yeah. Oh, I, I think I quite like his personality, but in terms of his performances, there's no doubt that it's just not good enough. So it's a bit yeah. of a shame. It's, it's, 
you get players that you like and they don't perform and you know that they're not good enough, but it's, it's still it's sad. But And it is sad because, as I said, the the when we watched the Amazon documentary and there's that good relationship with Dyron and Mourinho, it looked like it was kind of a bit of a match made in heaven. He was going to be this leader on the pitch for us. The communication aspect with him being being able to speak Portuguese, you know, that meant that Joseph was able to give information to him. He could then translate to players. And that leadership aspect, that's what I was looking forward to. Now, we all know that Dyer's not the best footballer in the world. I, I've, I've got that. But you don't have to be the best footballer to be a really good defender. You can defend and do your job. What the problem with Dyer is, I just don't think he's been very good defensively. And because of that, he's been put under pressure, makes mistakes, makes more mistakes, put taken out the limelight, put back in, made mistakes. Mason's now just said to him, look, even if you have a stinker, because he had a stinker last week, he's played again. So that can only be good from a confidence perspective. But as I said, long term, we need better defenders. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, do you think we need two central defenders or do you think it should be built alongside Rodon and someone else? Or do you think, I think two? two I think, I, 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 and the reason I say two is because if you think that Alderweireld is probably at the age now where he's not going to get better, he'd probably be consistent at that, but he's not going to get quicker. He's not going to get better. He can read the game well, but athletically, we still would... If he got injured, for instance, then what we're left with? You know, we'd have a bit of a problem because Dyer, Rodon... I think Rodon is, is, is definitely the future, but I think he needs someone alongside him that's going to help him along. He's only young. He's 20, what, 23? He's young. So he needs someone like an experienced Alderweireld or Vertonghen, if he was still at the club, to kind of say, right, look, you do the work of me in terms of the legwork. I'll help you through the game by positioning you where you need to be. Do this, do that. And he will learn the game. That's where I think we're going to need to have an experienced head on our in our um, team. I think so too. I think you need that experienced person in there and the, the defensive line is theirs. They decide the line, everyone falls in line along. For it was slightly different with Vertonghen and Alderville because they're such good friends and known each other for years so that when one of them decides, they know what to do. But that was a one-off. But one player that I like, he plays for Juventus and there's there's talks of them being chucked out of all sorts of competitions if they don't go out of the ESL and that's Mary Demerel. I, I may have got... Okay, I've heard the name but I haven't seen him play much so I don't yeah, really know. But, well, I didn't know it because he helped me win the league on football. <laughs> <laughs> but from, from what I've heard as well, looking on Twitter, he, he's he's a leader, which is what I think we need. I think we've got a severe lack of leaders and we have done for a little while. 100%. 100%, 100% and, agree. Yeah. In, in terms of leaders, though, obviously Kane is one of ours. A huge summer for him, really, in terms of his decision and what happens. I think even if he says to Levy, I want to go, Levy's going to make it very, very difficult for him to go. He's got three years left on his contract. There's a mm-hmm. pandemic on. People haven't got that much money and he'll demand big money. But what do you see happening with him? Do you see him wanting to stay, wanting to leave? If he doesn't <sighs> want to leave, do you see him leaving? And where do you see him going? It's such a difficult one. I don't think, well, firstly, what I would say is I don't think Harry Kane's going to be the type of player that's going to come out and say publicly, I want to leave Spurs, I want to go, I want to go because I don't think he wants to upset his legacy at Spurs and tarnish up with the fans. So that's one thing that's good. Privately, Daniel Levy and him are maybe in discussion. I would say that if if Kane is, is ambitious, he'd probably want to move. But he also realises that he's not just going to be let go for free. He's not going to go for 50 mil. So Daniel Levy and him, maybe, and this is only me surmising, I've had some conversations, look, 
we know the situation. If we got an offer in the region of X, then we would consider it and we would allow you to speak to the teams, blah, blah. If nothing comes in, Harry, unfortunately, you're going to be here till 2024 at the end. Now, Harry's got a decision to make. Does he sign a new contract to extend? That's down to him. I would probably say if he doesn't sign a contract this summer or certainly by January of next year, then he's not going to sign another contract with us unless, of course, something massively drastically changes and we go ahead and start winning trophies left, right and centre. But the next managerial appointment may have an influence on whether or not he feels that he wants to be part of another rebuild or part of a, a, a person that's going to come in and automatically win something like a Conte. So if a Conte came in, very similar to a Jose appointment, you'd expect him to want to win something within the next 12 months. If a Graham Potter or a Scott Parker, then it's a rebuild job. Harry Kane's then got to decide, you know what, four or five years, have I got that to stay here at Spurs? I don't think he would. Yeah, I mean, there's a possibility that that coming out and saying, I want to win trophies and all that is is just a, a kind of sh- firing shots at Levy going you get a manager in and players in that can help us yeah. do that or I'm off. And not actually wanting to leave, but knowing that he's the big man at the club and the, the main guy at the club. And if we lose him, we could be in trouble. But there's also, Liverpool did it with Coutinho. He wasn't their best player, but he's mm-hmm. one of their best players. They used that money to invest. And, and I'm not against that. The issue that I've got that with that is that the person who's investing that is Daniel Levy. And I'm not yeah. uh, sure that that would be invested. Um, I disagree with anyone who says that he hasn't invested in the team because he spent a lot of money. The issue that I've I got, agree, it's it's not on the players that we either need or the manager wants. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so and if Harry Kane leaves, we we need a striker or someone to score the goals. It can't just be well. There's a there's a 17 year old guy in France who's doing quite well. He might do well. That, that's not going to be good enough. We need someone who's going to guarantee to get us at least 20 goals. You see, I look at it like this, and I'll only mention the name because it's the sort of player that I think could fill that role for a period of time. Now, a lot of people will say, no, we shouldn't be thinking about that. But if we were to sell someone like a Harry Kane, and let's say we were to get 150 million for argument's sake, that's a decent amount of money in this COVID era that we're living in. Got someone like Danny Ings, similar type of age, 28, 29, but with the proviso that we are then scouting for that younger person to to kind of bring in over that two years. Because I think Danny Ings has probably got two good years of good football in a good team. You can see what he's doing at Southampton. He was unlucky at Liverpool with his injuries. But if he was to come in injury-free at Spurs, we were to sell Harry Kane, I would say we would not miss as much a Harry Kane as we if we didn't replace him with someone like that. Because you're going to guarantee to get your 15, possibly 20 goals out of Danny Ings because of the chances we'd create for him. But if you're then bringing someone alongside him, if it was a Troy Parrott with that, you know, you know, we just talk about Dane Scarlett. Is he ready for the team yet? Probably not. But two years time with Danny Ings in there, someone he possibly could be. So that's where I think we need to be smart in what, if that was to happen with the Kane situation. Yeah, I was just about to say about Dame Scarlett because Jose was very complimentary about him in his last days. But he's 16, isn't he? I think so. I think as soon as he turns 17, loan, yeah. get him out on loan somewhere, see yeah. what you can do, get him some game time. But, 100%. And then that's a 50 50, isn't it? He either goes out on loan, does well, or he kind of does what Troy Parrott's doing, which isn't particularly good at the moment. But then Kane, when he went out on loan, didn't do a huge amount. 
Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I know. Too badly for himself, is he? But I know. Um, but yeah, so I, I wonder as well if Kane will stay and then he'll try and raise funds by selling someone like a son. Which <sighs> so again, if if you're if you're fourth into a position, Son or Kane, Son or Kane, right? So Son's got 17 goals. I can't remember how many assists, it, but he's got a lot of assists as well. Kane. Slightly more goals, probably around about the similar type of numbers in the assists. So either one of them out of our team is a detriment. Both of them together, you know, Skane's got 22 goals a season in the league. Son's 17. So we've got two of the top four scorers in the league. So if you lose one of them, it's going to be a detriment. If you're telling me which one would I rather lose, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Because what I say I don't know is because Son brings so much of this energy to Spurs mm. that I think he's infectious in terms of having him around the whole club. Harry Kane is Harry Kane. We could probably get more money for Harry Kane and if we used it, I think we could probably replace, we're more likely to have somebody, right, okay, I'm, I'm waffling a little bit, but if we place Harry Kane with a, a Dominic Calvert-Lewin, mm. over time, not to say Dominic Calvert-Lewin will be as good as Harry Kane, but the drop-off in terms of goal wouldn't be as much. I don't think we're easily going to get a really, really quality Son player mm. in the near future. Endombele, sorry, Endombele. Steve Bergwijn, potentially, but has he got the goals and assists? Nowhere near the Son level. Son's been the team, the club's best player for the last three seasons, I think. It's been voted the best player by the fans at Spurs. That says a lot to me. And it's not just the, the way he plays, it's what he brings, the added energy that sort of when he when he's on it he really on it. he does so much more uh, i don't know <laughs> i've waffled on but i don't know i, don't I, know. I think Bergvine suffer, is suffering from confidence i think i think it came from the anfield game when he he hit the post didn't he yeah. like, so i'm not sure the confidence there but he got some horrific abuse which is out of order online yeah, I, I, unbelievable. he never seen the same kind of player and, and no. he, he always looked to me before that like if he can, he'll try and have a shot. He'll try and be positive. And then after that, yeah. he seemed to like, every time he got it, turn around and see who's behind yeah. me or who's to the yeah. side. I think that's, a and, and I'm desperate for him to get a goal just to yeah. boost that confidence up. But Because I'll put it to you like this, right? So uh, people talked about Triori today being a really mm -hmm. dangerous player, really dangerous grip. But if you replace him with Son, you wouldn't get the goals and the assists. But you could replace someone, as I said, with Danny Ings and Kane, and the drop-off in terms of what you get wouldn't be as drastic. Adama Troy, as much as he would run at players and scares them, don't get no goals. He don't get no assists. Son does. Isn't there, is it? Try no, on. the end product isn't there. But a striker, you can... I know Harry Kane does more than just a striker's role. For it. He plays a nine, he plays a ten. But if you just said, right, I want you to play a nine, we'll, we'll worry about the number ten position. Would we get goals from someone like Dan Ings? Yes, we would. Yeah. I mean, if Kane or Son leaves or both, then obviously that becomes the priority for a replacement. But let's say they both don't leave. Obviously, the manager situation will have a huge bear on this. But what would be your your first priority in a signing in, in what we kind of need? But for me, it's a playmaker because I think oh. that Leicester, when they won the league, I don't think their defence was that good. No. Their midfield was, but like, and, and in his 16 17 season, we had the best defense. It might not have been that great, but yeah. we kept the ball for most of the time. Yeah. So, I think the playmaker is more important because you can get around the defense aren't world class, yeah, yeah, by keeping the ball. Whereas, if you uh, 
get like a world-class defender, you're still going to have the issue of the ball just keeps coming back. And constant, constant pressure, I think, does result in mistakes and, and at the very least, mental fatigue in games. So what would be I, your, your first priority for a... Um, it's, it's a real difficult one here because I think what you said was right. The more you don't have control of games the more your defence is going to be under pressure, the more you're likely to concede, even if you've got world-class defenders. I agree with that totally, 100%. But what it does also mean is, if you've got defenders who cannot be relied upon, i.e. when you are winning games by the odd goal, and it's 2-0 or it's 1-0 up, and then they make a silly mistake, then it becomes 2-1. It then goes through the whole team because it's like a here-we-go-again situation. We've conceded again. And remember, we've lost... Position we've lost winning positions the most of any team, which tells me if we were in a winning position and we had better defenders, we could see games out by the odd goal. We could maybe see out a two 0 We had the fiasco with the the West Ham debacle. Three <laughs> 0 up with ten minutes to go. I don't care. You could have Mickey Mouse in defence. You should not be losing that game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So there must be a problem defensively that these players are thinking. Oh my god. So it's a real tough one. But I still think centre-backs is the priority for that reason. Because I think we're good enough to score goals, but when you win in that tight game, you really want to rely on your defence not to concede. Yeah, I, I think the losing leads is, is, is the mentality. You look at Pochettino, our mentality was always to attack. So we, we were the ones who ended up scoring the late goals, whereas Mourinho is always kind of pragmatic. It's, it's defend. But yeah. like you say, we're not good enough defensively. And, and, and so I, I think it's a mentality thing. They're so used to being defensive under Mourinho. They get the lead, sit back, keep the lead. And then it, it's very difficult to change your mentality mid-game. If, you, if you're going yeah. balls out attacking, it's easy to def- change your mentality to sit back. The other way, it's, it's completely different, different and difficult, especially if the other team are on an attacking mentality. So and- I, I, I think it's, it's because of the mentality. And that's where Jose was unlucky because if we think back to, to the, the early part of November last year when we were in and around the top, we were top for a few few weeks, had we had defenders that could defend Leeds, we'd probably still be in and around that position now. You know, Not to say we'd be better than City, not to say we'd be better than United, but certainly in and around closer to where we are now. But Jose thought that he had the same defenders that he had at Chelsea back in 2014. Yeah. You know what I mean? We weren't the John Terrys. That's not what we had. <laughs> we didn't have them players. So even when we went up and he's thinking, yeah, we could see, see this out. Over time, he found out the defenders were not good enough. So he was fighting a losing battle. Then the style of play came into it. And then we was like losing games where we shouldn't have lost. And then we weren't playing very well. So all of that was like a massive swell of bad negativeness that just kind of enveloped the whole squad and the whole team to the point where it just looked like the players didn't care. You're right, the mentality is weak with some of these players and needs to change. In terms of that defensive mentality sitting back after we're, we're taking lead, do you think that would have changed if we'd have had fans in stadiums? Because it, there's a th- like West Ham, for example, They I've got a few friends who are West Ham fans. They were booed last year all, all game. Whereas now it's kind of, uh, we're kind of free. We don't get booed if we make a mistake. It's not thrown in our face. But then for the other teams, top teams, it allows people to hide a little bit. So do you think if 
fans were allowed in the stadiums. We're sitting back defensively after taking a lead. Uh, the, the fans would have 60,000 people would have made their voices known there. And that would have kind of changed the mentality of the players a little bit. Go, yeah, we, we're too defensive here. We've got to try and score a goal. Or do you think fans in the stadium would have just been depressed because we'd have just seen what we saw this season? It, it was 100% would have made a difference. Now, I agree to a point. Fans in the stadium would have made, we wouldn't have seen some of those awful, awful defensive performances that we've seen. Because we would, I've been in that White Hart Lane, I've been at a new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and both of which the fans get on your case. If you're not doing something that the fans want you to do, they'll be on your case. I think they would have not allowed the team to play in certain ways. I also believe that in certain games where, you know, we've gone behind, particularly at home, We've kind of almost like, well, there's no fans in here. It's almost like, oh, well, there's no pressure on them. Even with the sideline pressure from the manager and the management team isn't enough. I think you'd have got another 5% out of them, both home and away, because of fan pressure. Where that might have put us, I'm not quite sure. Whether or not some... Um, the other point is, though, if there was fans in there and some of the players that were making the mistakes that they were making this season already, they may have made even more with the pressure of the fans being there. So it's a, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, you know what I mean? We could have had a, an upturn, but then it could have made some even, even worse. Think of the likes of Doherty. Matt Doherty's been terrible, I think. But he's had no pressure on him. Imagine if he had pressure on him. Would he have done worse? Good grief, I would like to, I'd hate to think. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, a lot of next season is going to be determined on the new manager. <laughs> Who, who do you want as the new manager? Realistically, oh, realistically, oh, and, and who do you think we will get? Because oh my God, what a question that is. Jesus, that is tough. That well, is tough. I'll, that I'll is go tough. for it. I, I wouldn't mind Graham Potter because I think he plays well. And I think when we get a big name manager, we struggle a little bit. You think of Ramos, uh, uh, Mourinho. Whereas when we get, because Pochettino wasn't doing massively well at Southampton when he came in. And then look what he's done. Redknapp was, you know, he, he was more of a, a relegation specialist, wasn't he, really? So, yeah, so Potter, and they play good football, young manager, but, yeah. Um, right. I, I think we need to make more than just a managerial change in order to be successful going forward, regardless of whether it's a, a rebuild manager or a winning mentality type manager. Uh, I don't think we've got enough in terms of the recruitment side of things sorted out. I don't know how the recruitment's done, whether it's in conversation with the manager or not, whether the manager just gets given the players or not. Steve Hitchin, in terms of being in that chief scout position, I don't know. As you said earlier, it's not that we haven't spent money. We've spent money, just not on the right players, just not in the right areas of the pitch. That needs to be addressed. Director of football, Danny Levy may be taking more of a back seat to that and letting them guys who have got the expertise get on with that them working in conjunction with the manager to identify the style of football you want to play. Do we have a philosophy? Do we have a style of football? I don't think we do at the moment because yeah. we've had so many different managers. I ain't got a clue what Spurs is going to turn up from week to week. That's the only thing I can say about Ryan Mason. He's maybe got a, a way of playing that he wants to adopt. He's not the right manager because he's not experienced enough. Yeah. Therefore, in terms of a manager, I'm not, too concerned about who we get at this moment. Obviously, we're not want. I don't want to see the likes of um, Ryan Mason get it, or even like a Scott Parker. I don't think they're experienced enough. What I want to do, or what I want to see, is building blocks. Director of football. What's the style of football we're going to try and play? Therefore, we're going to identify the right manager who's going to identify the right players. Until that gets sorted, I don't know. 
Um, just as a name, would I take Conte? I don't want another ex-Chelsea manager to be our <laughs> boss. I just don't want it. I don't want it again. You know what I mean? Don't want that. I'd rather have Graham Potter over him because of that fact and because we might be able to build some foundations. But then it's going to be a three to five year job. Who's going to stick around? Is Harry Kane? Is Son going to stick around? Is Ndombele going to stick around? Is, you know, there's a number of players who might say, oh, I can't be doing with this again and get off. I don't know. It's a hard one, mate. It really is. Yeah, it's just annoying. That, that... <laughs> look, look how hard it is. You can't even. It's just like, oh, what do you do? What the manager that we've had in the last ten years has, has been appointed within the week of the previous one being fired. Other than Tim Sherwood, who was uh, interim and then got the job at the end of the season, but this one is just like, oh, we fired him before a cup final. He's the only person in the history to have beaten Pep Guardiola in a cup final. Oh, we've got a cup final against Guardiola. Oh, sack him. We don't need him. Absolutely ridiculous. But I mean, last question: in terms of the season, what are your thoughts on the overall season? I mean, we were top in November, and I, I admit now I was a moron coming on here dreaming of <laughs> a parade in May of the title and, and I got sucked into that and then all of a sudden we lost a few games went down seventh and seemed to never recover yeah lost the cup final and and the way of playing has been so terrible but how would you sum up the season from your point of view Okay, so I'm going to start back a little bit from when I, how I saw the season progressing for me. So I said, I was always of the mentality that we had to win something. Bringing a manager up like Jose Reno, you're only bringing him in. You're not bringing him in to rebuild, you're bringing him in to win. So I didn't mind if we'd have won the Carabao Cup and or maybe an FA Cup or even just one of them two and we were to finish outside the top four. I had no problem. For me, that would be a success in terms of winning. A lot of people have, no, 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 we've got to have top four. We've got to have both. Why? We're, what in our history suggests that we are a top six team consecutive or consistently? We're not. We don't win leagues. We don't even win FA Cups anymore. 2008 goes back to the last time we won a trophy. So that had to be everything to us as Spurs fans, in my opinion, to win something, to get that mentality across the line so we can be winners. So I would have taken the Carabao Cup last week or whenever it was a few weeks ago when we played it and been eighth, ninth, tenth, even less because of the fact that I know that we could have then said we know how to win. Looking at it now, it's not a very good season. We've not won and we're scratching around to just be around the six. But that's where I think we should be. That's personally where I think we should be in a league, but we should have been able to win a domestic trophy alongside it. So it is a disappointment season. Because of the fact that we haven't got a trophy, we haven't got a Carabao Cup, we haven't got an FA Cup. We haven't got progressed to the final or close to the final of the Europa League. Because if you'd have won the Europa League, let's say won the Europa League and finished eighth, who gives a toss? Because you're in Champions <laughs> League anyway. And you've got a trophy. So no one would have given a dot. That's why Man United are in a great position. You know, we could have been in that position. Yeah. Um, for me, when we were top in November, it... it looked like we had a, a massive team spirit. Everyone was working for each other. And then seemingly overnight, it ended. I mean, that Chelsea game, I think at White Hart, that, uh, uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium was... Uh, uh, the, 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 I mean, I'm lost for a word. The worst, performance, the worst performance I think I've ever seen. It just... It was... I'd have rather gathered 11 people from the pub near me and then they've put in more of an effort there. But... Uh, and... 
You hit the nail on the head when you said it. It's the mentality. Some of these players' mentality just changed at that point because they've never been in that position of being able to maintain a winning run of form. So getting to the top, it's like, what the hell are we doing here? Even when we were getting close to winning the leagues before against the Chelsea's and the Leicester's, we weren't ever top consistently enough to be under that sort of pressure. We were always trying to get there. Our mentality has to change. We have to have a winning mentality. So when we get to the top, right, we've been here before, lads. We know how to play. We know how to win certain games. Ugly. We know how to, right, continue. That's our next benchmark, to win that next game. Doesn't matter what we've done. We just need to win. We can play absolutely shocking. We, we don't have that in our setup. Unfortunately, that's where, in our DNA, we need to change that. I'm not sure we can, though. If, if Jose Mourinho can't change that, I, I'm, the, I, I, I'm struggling to think of someone who could. And this is the point. <laughs> this is the scary point about the next appointment. It's so, so key to this club that we don't just make the right manager choice, but we make other choices behind the scenes that's going to assist with everything. Just having the right manager, as we've seen, we thought Jose Marino was the one. Conte could be the one, oh, Conte. But without the backing, without the right infrastructure, without the right players, he's not going to be a success either. I think, again, if, 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 if Jose, who's won 20-odd trophies, can't get Levy to change... I think you could have Prime Fergie in there and he'd struggle. I think, I think I mentioned on another podcast, uh, Spurs own TV uh, yeah. the other week. I think the Lowy's deal was a superb deal, but I think yeah. it's a bad deal as well because I think it put in Levy's head like, I'm a genius here. I can get any deals on the deal that I want. And then people, <laughs> people talk and people, oh, it's Daniel Levy. You ain't getting what we want. You either pay this much money or you don't get them. And, and exactly. I think he's so stubborn and so arrogant. And uh, would, would, I mean, we don't need to talk about the ESL, but there wasn't even an apology. And the, the arrogance there, and I think it goes from everything he has to be in control. So I'm not sure it would change, but I, I definitely agree with you that he needs to take a bit backward step in terms of transfers. Yeah, yeah. I unfortunately like, don't think he will. We're doing a PAX, sorry to, to plug myself, but we're doing a, a special on Paxton Road on Tuesday, where it's going to be entitled Daniel Levy, Masterminds, Mercenary or Misunderstood. Because I think he's one of them three. You know, at times he's a mastermind. What he's done to get us where we are in terms of, you know, the last 20 years before that, the, the Alan Sugar years, completely different. We're in a brand new state, brand new, one of the envies of the world in terms of training facilities, all the rest of that sort of stuff. But has he done things wrong? Of course he has. Has he made mistakes? Of course he has he now needs to understand that he's not going to be able to do he can't build a new stadium and build a team he can't do everything let people or or sorry hire the right people to make the the decisions on your behalf that's what he hasn't done in my opinion he hasn't hired a director of football he hasn't got the chief scouting right he hasn't maybe got the right manager in and backed them when they should have been backed i.e potch you can't get jose Mourinho in and not give him money Jose Marina's whole philosophy is built on having the best players at his disposal to win what he's won. Yeah. You can't do it on a shoestring. Yeah. I, I think Levy would say he's been a success because I think it's success for him is money. So mm. Someone said on this podcast, 22 million he bought it for, we're now worth 2 billion or something like that. So in terms of financially, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. made a huge success. And this ESL was all about money. I think he's all about money rather than... The players, whereas us as fans, are obviously we want to win trophies and win games. 
some 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 fans some but, fans wouldn't mind just being in the Champions League every year and having that as a success. I don't count that as success to me. No, but yeah, in, in terms of winning trophies and and that essentially, look, Kane said it, isn't he? That's what it's about. But yeah, I mean, I hope we do make a change, but. I'm very not confident. <laughs> not confident, are you? I can tell. Yeah. Well, we'll see. The next few months is critical. I, 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 we can't understate it. The next few months in a spur as a Spurs supporter is critical to our future, to at least our immediate future. Get that wrong, and woof, we could be in a lot of problems here. A yeah, lot of problems. I think so. But yeah, unfortunately, we've run out of time. It's been great talking to you. Oh, it's great. Want to come back on again? Love oh, fantastic! Talk. We'll get you on as well, Patsy Road. Don't worry, we'll sort all that out. But yeah, it's really yeah. good, nice insight. Really good to talk about things other than just you know what what's going on at the club at the moment. Yeah, and you mentioned Paxton Road TV there. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, where can they find you on Twitter, YouTube? Uh, yeah, so 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 you can find uh, us on Twitter at uh, TV Paxton. That's our actual. Uh, official Twitter account. You can find me Sam underscore Spurs for life on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and you can find us on YouTube, Paxton Road TV. Put that in and we're there. Excellent. If you don't already, check all of those out. Uh, lovely to talk to you again, as always. <laughs> uh, lovely. It's, it's just very odd for me to talk to a Spurs fan in a happy way rather than just like, <laughs> oh, we've lost again. <laughs> Such a difference. Such a difference to your weekend when you win a game yeah. of football as a Spurs fan. Yeah. yeah, so it's good. It feels better. It feels yeah. better. Thanks so much for watching. Before you go, please make sure you give the like and subscribe buttons a click. Any questions, comments, or any suggestions for future episodes, if you just add those into a comment on the YouTube video. If you're listening to the audio-only podcast, thanks so much for listening. Anyone who wants the audio-only podcast, you can get that at Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your audio podcast from. Alternatively, if you go to Twitter at LTalkTottenham, you can find all the information there. I'll be back soon. Until then, come on, you Spurs!